This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses. I am so excited to bring this episode to you and our guest, Lisa Thomas. She is the CEO of the P3 Group, and I met Lisa at a NABO chapter meeting. She was the keynote speaker earlier this year, and I loved her talk, but what I loved even more is who she is, her warmth, her depth, her knowledge, her passion, how she leads with integrity, and the leader that she is. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because I wanted to be able to share her expertise with you. Um, I hope you love the conversation as much as I enjoyed recording it with Lisa. We talked about a whole host of different aspects of women in business from what's changed over the last uh, 20 years to AI and being okay with change and uncertainty and then building a strategy that's fluid and moves with you and we also talked about um, how to stay out of emotional decision making hey lisa welcome to women who build empires i am so excited to have you on the podcast because you're a new friend um and here in charlotte with me or outside of charlotte if i remember correctly a little bit and your business is so cool because you are helping primarily women entrepreneurs, but service-based businesses in general mm-hmm. who have already reached that million dollar mark. So um, one, welcome and two, share a little bit about you and what you do. Absolutely. We're first, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your audience. You know, I'm always thrilled and delighted to share uh, my story and hope in hopes that it makes a profound difference for those who are listening. Now, a little bit about me. Yeah. So been in business now for over 25 years. I started in corporate America and I was sitting at my corporate desk one day and I could hear my grandmother say, do what you love and be passionate about it. And I tell you, I was not passionate about sitting in front of my computer, crunching numbers every day. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, I took on the uh, opportunity to walk through the revolving doors. And I tell everyone who wants to start a business, that is probably not what I'd advise you to do. Uh, But it is exactly what I did. I raised my hands up and I walked out of the revolving doors with this business in my hand, so to speak, or this business idea. And I started the business right out of those revolving doors. Our first contract was with a municipality where we work with small business enterprises. They were beginning businesses, meaning they were startups. And we discovered after six months of working with them, they had increased their profitability by 25 percent. 
and they weren't new, meaning they hadn't started the business. They were new within five years. And so I thought, whoa, obviously it was a great idea. My grandmother had to walk, you know, not do what you uh, are not passionate about, but do what you're passionate about and walk out those doors. I thought I must have hit the jackpot. So that started the journey really of entrepreneurship for me, discovering that we can make a difference or I can make a difference with small businesses just in a matter of six months. And so the rest is kind of history. Uh, The Power, Passion and Purpose group was actually born in 2001. uh, And we were working with women at the time, very specifically. And the idea of making an impact in business was one thing. But the other thing that I had in my heart was how do we impact women at the core? Because no matter what we did at the time, they would always come to us and say, what about me and what about the challenges that I'm facing? Mm-hmm. And so that catapulted a whole new world of both business as well as personal development for women. And that was 2001. And we're still here today. Which is amazing because you have made it past that 10 year mark where, what is it, like 90% of all businesses fail? Yes. Yes. So, so what's your secret to success? Well, you know, longevity, I get that question sometimes. I think the healthy curiosity, I I like to say there's a healthy curiosity, what I don't know about business, following the trends, following the economy, and then tapping into the skills that I know that I do have, right? So it takes both. And a growth mindset and longevity requires both of those things to really be curious about what's happening with your clients, what's happening with the trends, what's happening in the economy, and how do you adjust and really shift your service offerings to meet those needs, the client as well as the trends. And so I think that's one of the ways we've reinvented ourselves and rebranded a number of times. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we've been around so long. What's been some of the most I don't know, interesting experiences that you've had to learn from? Interesting experiences. Well, that's a good question. I I think, you know, we've worked with so many different facets of women in various careers, let's say it that way. So in 2001, we were primarily looking at the, um, the woman, just just the woman, right? So we'd worked with businesses, we'd worked with um, nonprofit organizations, we'd worked with municipalities. But then we started to work very specifically with women. And we were bringing women out of the offices, asking them this question, what is your vision? What is your purpose? And I think the thing that really stood out for me was there was a common theme, a commonality amongst all women no matter what career they had, right? Whether they were a business owner or whether they were an executive. And that common theme was, I'm challenged by my thoughts Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. And for me, I think the challenge in that was how do you really bring together a service offering that would align itself with that as well as what's happening in the economy today whenever that time may have been, I think it was maybe 2003, 2004. And how do you bring a service together that would actually match both of those needs? What's happening in the economy and what's happening in the 
mind of the woman. I think that answered your question. That's kind of what the area that began to have us really start to dig in deep and hone in on the best way to offer a service that would meet the need of our most desired client, so to speak. And by the way, we determined that our most desired client or the most targeted client was who's coming to us, who's most attracted to our work. And we were doing events in two cities simultaneously. And that data really highlighted the fact that business women was a common participant, aligning thoughts to be consistent with their dreams and purpose were two things that we then had to consider when we put together a new offering. Initially, that was a bit challenging for us, you know, to, okay, how do we bring all of this together in a way that really impacts the client, moves the company forward, serves our uh, community, because we we had that, you know, uh, interest in social impact, service our community, service the client and service the business was a big question to answer. It is. It is because it's broad and a little abstract. So to Mm -hmm. create a service that's tangible from that abstract, I think, takes a little time. Yes, 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 yes. So we pride ourselves on doing that digging and and um, become scientists, so to speak, to really look at the data that we've gathered to determine the best service offering for the client. You have a process for for doing that research and, and and kind of digging in. Yeah. So the best way that we found or what we've done in the past, and we kind of stumbled upon this process, though, Emmy, we again, we did events. Right. So the 2002 to 2013, really, which is a very long time, we were having events at one point in time for a couple of years. It was every month in two cities. Then we were having them quarterly and a couple of other cities in North Carolina. We had um, an event in another state. And so with that, that data was there, it was solid data for us. And then we would also do surveys as well and and ask our community and, and extend our hand to other organizations to find out information um, relative to the client that we're serving. So that's been our process to really dig deep to find out the information that we're looking for. Because at the end of the day, if you don't know your client and you don't know what their needs are, how can you really serve them? Exactly. Exactly. You're just guessing and hoping that they mm-hmm. show up. Yes. And so while, you know, the the events that we were doing, they were very effective in terms of marketing. They also served as research and development for us. Mm-hmm. What, a great, what a great way to, to accomplish that because you've got X amount of people in a room. So you get to see a lot of behavior, a lot of language, a lot of what resonates um, exactly. Over and over again. Exactly. And so and for us, we we certainly, you know, took that data and we would have surveys at the end of our events. And because we garnered a list of people that we could be in communication with, we obviously were able to ask them questions very specifically about their needs and wants and what works and what doesn't. And so it really did serve as a platform for us to garner the data that we need. That's cool. How have women approached business differently over the last two decades? Well, gosh, you know, I, I <laughs> how have they approached business? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, 
with so in COVID was a big uh, sort of event that occurred that I think drew us all in to look inward to determine how we're going to serve our clients. So I'll start there because it was such a major event. Um, and I think women are now starting to understand one that nothing's ever permanent. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think before we tend to be very comfortable in where we are. So I think women are now at least more. And I think this is across the board, not just women. I think everyone is. But I think women in business now are at least aware that nothing's permanent. Before, I think, again, I think that people were very comfortable in that. And I said earlier that one of the reasons that we're here is because we always have our finger on the pulse of the evolution of the economy mm-hmm. and the forever changing ways that people receive information, how they process information, those kinds of things. And I think women now are aware of that. At the very least, they're aware that nothing's permanent. So their consciousness has been raised a bit to reconsider how they do business. I'm going to say that's a possibility. Now, where execution is another thing, <laughs> but I think they're at least aware of it. The other thing that's changing, I think, the way that women do business and maybe having any business owner reconsider is AI, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about that. Um, and so I would suggest, because it comes up in some of our consulting um, sessions, that there is concern about that. But again, there is at least awareness that things do change. And because you've just you have a process down or you have a system or not, things are going to change and you have to be prepared for it. So in other words, the plan, the strategic plan or the business plan needs to encompass those things that could possibly happen to take you off course. Again, to your question, I think business owners are at least a little more aware that things are not as comfortable as they thought they were. Right. I mean, for me, things are always shifting. Mm -hmm. And if we're not paying attention to things like AI or other technology, even if we're not using it, but just having the awareness that it's there and how it could impact my business, their business, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. then we're not thinking strategically. Exactly. And I think the opportunity, though, you know, to your question, we said, you know, how are they doing it differently? I think, one, there's just awareness. Again, I'm I'm still studying the execution on awareness with some of these things. <laughs> um, uh, however, I think awareness is key. The opportunity is to begin looking at how you can optimize these things that are happening. There lies the opportunity. And so I don't think every business owner, small business owner, particularly in our market, they're not necessarily looking at it from that perspective per se. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some may be considering how they can use it, but how do you really optimize it in a way that makes a difference for your business? Or if you elect not to, then how do you stand out from the crowd so that your service offering at the very least makes an impact in the community and in the world or whatever your purpose might be, as well as knowing that's happening? Right, right. What do you see in addition to AI as some of the trends for today that entrepreneurs should uh, pay attention to? Um, Well, you know, trends are interesting. So 
I think obviously AI is one of them, and I'm. I wouldn't be so um, concerned about some of those things that are happening per se. I think the most important piece is what is your strategy and how do you how do you address them? So we've we've got a couple of different things. AI is one of them. Podcast is another. It's a trend and. Some think some people think that podcasts will at some point um, continue, but saturation is now a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, social media is a trend that has increased over time, and everyone now, in comparison to previous years, is on social media. How do you really stand out from the crowd if your strategic plan? Uh, calls for that because some plans do not, right? How do you stand out from the crowd? How do you create that um, interest of your client? Is social media for your branding purposes or is it for client acquisition? I think those are the areas that um, are most important right now in terms of trends. You've got social media, you've got podcasts, you've got all of these different ways now that people are using to market their business. And I would suggest marketing and and branding um, are still important parts of the business. It's how you use those things that are trending. Yeah. Do you find, because my general experience is that people feel like they're going to use social and convert instantaneously from it. They're going to throw a couple of reels or TikToks or lives or whatever, and then they have no, yeah, you're shaking your head. (laughs) And I'm like, and I mean, circling back into the strategy piece of it, use social in, in my head, at least use social strategically, not just thinking you're going to convert. And most, I'm going to say most of my clients, at least just having the presence is enough. And so you're shaking your head. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I would, the thing that I would say about it, right. So you know, what are the, what does your marketing strategy call for? Right. Right. I think at the end of the day, have you done the market research to determine how your client is best served and best spoken to, to attract them for client acquisition? Right. Right. Because not every client, particularly ours, are not necessarily on social media looking for us. Correct. Right. So we have to be deliberate about that strategy to determine how to best utilize social media. Mm. In some cases, social media might be a good branding opportunity because your client may be looking for social proof. It may not be where she or he determines their purchasing opportunity right? They may not purchase anything from it, but they certainly may be thinking, hmm, there's the P3 group. I wonder what they're about. Yeah. Right? Right. So you want to know the intent of your marketing strategy uh, as it relates to social media. Um, What's your your foresight on podcasts as we're (laughs) recording? And you have a podcast as well that you just started. Yeah. I think, you know, there's there's going to be, uh, again, the trend has been an upward trend before 
Um, we had internet radio show back in 2007, right? And there was the podcast term that was used very lightly. And now it is a very broad term and it's more mainstream. I think the upward trend of that is going to be, you know, those will continue. Mm-hmm. Podcasts will continue. I think the the opportunity, again, and I love using that word because we have to really consider how do we optimize any opportunity that exists. Um, I think they'll continue. And how do you optimize it? How do you be the voice that's most heard in your area of influence and in your market? But I think it's going to continue in terms of the trend. I think they'll continue. I think there will be many to uh, rise to the occasion of podcasts. We'll see more people um, do it. And um, depending on technology and AI, which um, I think that there may be some influence there as well. Um, I think it will continue. It'll just, you know, emerge and evolve a little differently. At some point, maybe we might see um, some of the animated versions of some of the podcasters. Don't know. Don't have an inside tip. It's just what I'm thinking. (laughs) It's been about a year since I looked at like what percentage of the population listens to podcasts, but it was pretty small still. Mm-hmm. I think as people become more aware of what's available, mm-hmm. a larger population starts listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's still an incredible amount of opportunity there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, uh, to your point, you know, in terms of people that are listening, there there's still a wide uh, range of opportunity for people to come and really consume podcasts. Because um, it's it, for me, it's very similar to streaming, right? So streaming kind of popped up, and it all of a sudden it eliminated Blockbuster and all these other, you know, uh, places and companies. But I think podcast is going to evolve very similarly. Um, and then we'll have more people who want to listen and absorb and educate themselves through their phones or through their computers. So yeah. it's certainly going to evolve. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, my, yes. my son um, uses podcasts to learn about marketing and business all the time. Like that's his, one of his channels to seek new knowledge and to seek knowledge from, you know, different perspectives too. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So I fully anticipate that it will, you know, it will continue. And then for podcasters and hosts, you know, again, what is going to be the opportunity for you? Will you yeah. be the next Oprah podcast, so to speak? <laughs> and that's available. Like the the barrier of entrance is low-ish. Um, it's really about being consistent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there is a, um, I'll just name this book real quick. It's called The Science of Getting Rich. And it is one of those books that I think is is interesting, and, and I won't get too deep because it can be a deep read, but mm-hmm. they talk about the original substance. Have you heard of the book? I haven't. I've read it. Yeah. You said you have not? No, I have read it. I mean, you years, have read years it. ago. Okay. So yeah, years ago, right? Sure. Yeah. So it's they talk about the original substance, right? And what that really means is Within the, and I'm going to say it from a business perspective, within the marketplace, there is always something that is wanting to happen. It's kind of like Facebook, right? 
who knew or any social media platform for that matter, but we'll just use Facebook, who knew that people wanted to connect in a in the way that Facebook connects people. Right. And so within the book, Mr. Waddles talks about the original substance. And again, from a business perspective, there is always something that is wanting to occur in your market. Mm-hmm. And I think with podcasts and, and any other platform that we've started to entertain, what is the thing that wants to happen that's not happening? And so to your point, again, what is the opportunity when you think about your business, Emmy, or your a business, whoever may be listening, what is wanting to happen in your market that you're not doing or is not being done right now? And so I think that's really the ultimate question when you start thinking about these things like podcasts or you start thinking about AI, what difference are you going to make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what shift do you see happening? That's exactly right. Yeah. And so that that book really talks about that level of thinking when it comes to business. Yeah. And I'll just the the other one is the blue ocean blue ocean strategy, I believe. Yep. So I'll I'll just verify that for you. But that's also another one um, that that's a good book to read. Yeah, it is. Because it talks about standing out and solving problems differently than that's correct. Everybody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier before we started recording, we talked about strategy, um, delegation and purpose. Yes. Share with everybody your thoughts on all three and staying out of emotional decision making. Well, let's just start there, staying out of emotional decision making, right? So, I mean, there's a place for that, right? So as a visionary, and every business should have one, there's a place for emotions, right? Because, I mean, when you think about it, uh, vision is about that. You know, what is at the heart of the business? What is the real purpose of the business? And so there's a place for it. I think the challenge or the thing that every business owner needs to understand is use that place when it's necessary and then be in strategy when it's also necessary. That means you may need, if you're a visionary and that's a part of your makeup, then you may need to hire people that are more strategic, who are more deliberate and uh, action oriented to execute on your vision. So the thing that we were talking about, most importantly, Emmy, was uh, you've got to have a visionary. I think that works for longevity. But you also have to have a team that's more dedicated to execution. And or if you're the person who's all about execution, then perhaps a visionary is someone that you want to uh, have on your team. So that's all about being strategic, number one understanding your purpose, number two, and also, you know, understanding exactly where you want to go and who you need on your team, i.e. delegating. And how do you help your clients figure that out? Because it's it's easy to talk about mm-hmm. and I think also easy on the client side to be in your head and overthink that. Mm-hmm. And so how do we sort of get our clients to a place where they understand one, there's a visionary, a purpose, and then there's the the team. So when you think about strategic plan, it's I mean, it's it's very 
very straightforward, really. It has purpose in there. It has, you know, what are your strengths? What are the weaknesses, opportunities and threats? And so we take them through that SWOT analysis to determine, you know, what, what, where are the weaknesses here? And the weakness may be the individual. So we have that conversation to say, okay, well, let's do maybe a evaluation of your strengths to determine where you're best suited, right? Because it's one thing to look at your team, but we also have to look at the leader. So at the end of the day, if the leader is is not in the most appropriate position, then the business does not quite thrive in a way that that the that they have a commitment that it does. So we do a complete SWOT analysis to include all of that. And then we go through all the other things that we talked about, the financials, the marketing strategy, advertising, and all those things. So our process is quite simple in, in explanation. It takes quite a while right. to go through <laughs> it. <laughs> to go through it. Uh, but but that's really it. We we have to have a very hard conversation with our leaders, but we do it in a way that's very easy for them to see and understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Because once we start to break down those strengths of the individuals uh, on the team, the strength of the business, because that's a part of it. So we don't separate those two. Right. We include it. Well, well, who's on your team and what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are the opportunities? What are the threats in their roles that may impede your ability to succeed? And, and then we we take it from there. So that's how we have them really have those eye-opening experiences to determine where their best role is suited. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to that, some people have a hard, hard time hearing that, right? It makes it easier to understand when we lay it out that way. But we also have the personal development side of it to coach them through any challenges they may face as we go through that. Yeah. And how do you break down being more strategic or or less emotional when it comes to making those decisions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, two things about that. One, I'm going to say that, you know, you ask how do you break that down? Don't forget that there is a time and place for it, right? So I think sometimes what happens is they think, well, I can't do that at all, mm-hmm. right? Well, no, there's definitely a time and place for it. Now, how do you be more strategic? Well, you may have to delegate if that is your strength to be a visionary. You may have to delegate the strategic piece. Or if you also have, maybe you have both sides of the brain there. If you do have that ability to be strategic, then we just have to look at now your time management. Where are you placing the time in being a visionary? And where can you place the time to be strategic? Um, And I also want to include in here, and which is probably where you're looking, that's a challenging thing for some people, right? If you're a one-woman show or a two-woman show or a four-woman show and your plan calls for a 10-woman show, that would be difficult to do. So now we've really got to look at the plan of expansion. How do you really expand it so that you don't start to lose your mind, so to speak, trying to execute on your plan? Because there's no way you don't have the capacity to do that. or And the team doesn't have the capacity. Right. And let's talk about capacity a little bit, too. Sure. Because my initial reaction when I hear capacity is time. Mm-hmm. 
right? But it's really more complex than that. It's time, it's energy management, it's everybody mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you figure out what your company's capacity is? Yeah, so the company capacity, it's a great right. question, right? Because, you know, and I just gave that example, and I think you were probably looking there, right? If you have four and your plan calls for uh, 10, what do you do, right, inside of that situation? And how do you sort of measure your capacity? Well, the other part of this, and, and I'm glad you're asking the question, and because many of our clients miss this as well. Do you have key performance indicators? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I pause there because I think it's a question that businesses need to ask. All of these things tell a story. Right. So if you're performing and you have four people, just as an example, and you also are clear about your key performance indicators, they're going to tell you whether you're if you're at capacity or not. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you don't have them in place, how would you know? Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I love to have. some of my, and it depends on the business, but like how many hours um, can they, can they fill with certain things? So attorneys, wellness studios, where they have people doing a service, there's X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they start looking at that, then they realize that they are either over or under capacity. And then how do we fill in those gaps by either releasing or adding in? Exactly. Yeah. And so and then you've got with with what I just mentioned, you have something to measure it. Right. 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 You have something to measure it. And then there's opportunity for development, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Right. Because perhaps you have a person on your team that really does have the capacity capacity, but they don't know they have it. Right. Right. And perhaps all there is, is some development to expand their capacity. Or you've got someone who's overextended and now they're overworked. And in addition, you've got a morale issue and you've got a team issue and all those things sort of fall out of uh, their inability to perform at the level they, that they desire. So uh, it's really critical that those things are included. And so in a strategic plan, you'll have those things. Yeah. No, I love KPIs and, and spreadsheets because for me, knowledge is power. And not about the right and wrong of it. It's making adjustments. Yes, yes. And being present and conscious of them, right? So you're right. Knowledge is power for sure. But sometimes it is knowing. Okay, I like that. Right? It is the knowing that limits your ability to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I, I think many clients I've spoken with would would communicate a similar thing. It's like, okay, I have them. Not to say this is you, Amy, but some some people do have that. They I understand them, I have them and and I know what exactly what to do and I've got all of that. And then when we start to look at the day-to-day interaction of it and the management of that, that's not being done. Right. Right. So we really have to be sure and clear that we are executing on all of those things and and monitoring and documenting um, at every stage. And when you're a leader, you can do that. If you're in the 
weeds of your business every day, it's difficult to do it as well. So that's another area that we take a look at when we're working with our clients. Are you in the business, working in the business so much that you can't really manage it and be a leader of it? And what do you do when you have clients that are in the business and and really want to, like they're entrenched, they want to stay there. Mm -hmm. Is that when it's time to bring in somebody else who can then lead the business? Yes. Yes. That's a, and it's a difficult conversation, right? It is because, you know, it's their baby and they want to lead it. But yet again, our job is to support them in laying out the narrative and the truth about their business. Right. And so we partner with them in creating that narrative or truth, if you will, so that they can clearly see, oh, this isn't working. And then they elect to remove themselves or replace themselves in terms of leadership or decide to be a leader and replace themselves in working in the business. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit too, because Mm -hmm. you have um, a case study on your website that you have available Mm -hmm. for everybody that shows how you lead people through strategy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So our case study is just that. So we we actually work with one of our clients, a long-term client that we've been partnering with and supporting over the years. And so we we took all of that data, as I mentioned earlier, I'm so I'm one of those people who loves to to do research and, and gather data. And so that case study really is about some of the challenges, how they they're now optimizing all of the strategies that they've implemented, how they've grown, how they've overcome some of their emotional challenges and their triggers about working with subcontractors and all those wonderful things. Um, and I just threw that out there because that's one of the examples that I talk about in the case study, whereas our client was reserved about using subcontractors. And the internal dialogue that the person had about that is they're not going to wear our paraphernalia. They're not going to really perform at the level of integrity that we do and all those things. And it turns out that we supported them in having that happen and their profitability increased uh, 25% with their jobs. And so that case study goes deeper into examples like that to talk about different ways that we've supported Um, that particular business, as well as other businesses to catapult them to increase profitability and have a little bit more freedom in life so that they can live the life that they want. Amazing. Amazing. And we have the link for that. So anybody who wants to check that out should check out the show notes. And Lisa, this has been so much fun. Share with everybody where they can get connected with you. Absolutely. So um, we're go to our website, obviously, www.thep3group.com. There you will find all the services that we offer. Um, Leap.thep3group.com is where you can uh, get the case study. Um, There's so much information there, obviously, on LinkedIn at Lisa Thomas Expressed on LinkedIn and then Facebook, facebook facebook.com, obviously, slash P3 group. Um, You'll find us there as well. And on Instagram, Instagram instagram.com P3 group. Awesome. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, too. Fantastic. Uh, Well, I'm I'm excited. This has been great, Emmy. It's always a great opportunity to speak with other incredible women up to amazing things to make an impact in the world. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you and your audience today 
my journey and my story. I think the thing that I'd love to leave with them is strategy is key, obviously. Mm-hmm. Lead with heart. You know, if you're a CEO, lead with your heart. Lead with your vision. Lead with your purpose. But build it with strategy. Because Absolutely. that's that's where freedom really is. Yeah, that's so wise and beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you. 